Welcome to the RAF Mildenhall Protestant Parish Podcast. As you prepare your heart to receive today's word, we pray that you are encouraged, inspired, and uplifted. Thank you so much. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Good morning, family. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Yes, it's good to see everyone on this morning. Uh, it's, uh, I know that uh, the weather, as was already alluded to, looked like we weren't going to have a good turnout. But look at y'all. Look at y'all. Praise God for that. Um, as we look to get started, y'all ready for the word of God? Y'all ready for the word of God? I, let's go ahead and, if you don't mind, let's go ahead and jump right on in. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Yes, the same scripture. Matthew chapter 5, we'll start at verse 43 and 48. Uh, so there's a lot in here. So the reason why we have sat in this particular space so long, one, because I believe God has something for us here. Uh, but secondly, because there's so much in this particular passage, I want to see if we can pick some more meat off the bone, if that's all right. Okay? All right. I'm trying not to, I'm not going to make any promises, but I'm going to try not to chase any rabbits and go down any rabbit holes today. Uh, but uh, we will try to stay on topic. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. And the Bible says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons or children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward you have? What reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. On last Sunday, um, we had a great time, didn't we? We had a great time. Uh, we worshiped. Uh, we sang songs of praise. We prayed for one another. Some of y'all may remember that. We prayed for one another, and we heard a word from God. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. And I feel like the spirit of God truly moved because when people talk to me about the sermon afterwards, they heard something uh, that moved their hearts. And I'm like, great, because if I'm honest, can we be can I be vulnerable real quick? Uh, we family, right? We family. Uh, afterwards, I, I, I felt some type of way. I was like, Ugh, I don't know if I said it the way it should have been said. I don't know if it came over the way I wanted it to come over. And uh, I did what every secure and confident chaplain does uh, after a sermon like that. I, I went uh, on YouTube to the posting and I checked all the comments <laughs> and saw what was there. And guess what? Guess what I saw? I ain't seen nothing. I'm not that popular yet. So I was good. I was good in that space, but I still felt some type of way uh, about what I gave on that, uh, on that Sunday. And, uh, so I went to a very trusted source, my wife, and I asked her because she knows 
the intent, what I meant to say, what I was trying to convey. And so I went to her, I said, hey babe, uh, what did you think? What, what, how did that go? And like the loving wife she was, she wanted to be supportive, but she also wanted to be honest because she knows how important this is to me. And she looked at me, she said, ah, it was good. It was good. I said, babe, what, 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 what happened? What, what did you feel? She said, well, it was all right. You gave a message and everything, but she said this. She shared this with me, which is where I'm coming from this morning as far as our sermon topic. She said, you did good, but I wish you would have practiced it more. I wish you would have practiced, practiced it more. And uh, our, sermon t- our sermon title for today is Practicing dot, 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 makes perfect. Practicing makes perfect. Those spaces in there are for a reason. We'll come back to it in a minute, okay? All right, you pray with me. God of heaven, we come at this time. We just ask that you be with us now. Open our hearts and minds to receive uh, the word that you have for us. We just ask that uh, the message is maximized and messenger is minimized. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we look at this passage, as we dive into this once again and try to pull a little bit more meat off the bone, um, we talked about several things, and I went over the agenda and the audience and all that good stuff. So we're, we're tracking. We're, we're together on that. But what we saw was, what we talked about, um, many of you may remember the first sermon we talked and and went through together, I wish you would. Jesus says, I wish you would love like me. I wish you would love like me. And then on last Sunday, we talked about prayer, right? We said that um, we can start somewhere. We can start somewhere, and we can start by praying for one another. We can start for praying for one for another. And um, it costs you nothing. Guess what? It, It costs you nothing, but it can mean everything to someone else. And so we looked at that. And you may look at that, you say, you talked about love, you talked about prayer, what else is there to pull out? That's everything, right? Yes, but not quite, not quite. Let's dive a little bit more into this because the reality is prayer and love in some ways are kind of a discipline, right? Something we should do over and over again, something we should get better at, something we should practice something we should practice, something we grow in each and every day. Well, how do you know? How do you know, Chaplain Maddox, you say that we're supposed to practice this love thing, practice this prayer thing, how do you know this? Well, um, I know this because uh, you can love and care for someone, but they may still feel like they're not loved and cared for. You can love and care for somebody, but they may feel like they're still not loved and cared for. I believe that's why the book by Dr. Gary Chapman was so popular and still is in some circles. Uh, The Five Love Languages, right? Y'all may have heard of that book. If you haven't, talk to your neighbor. I see a lot of heads nodding. And he talks about these five love languages, how we receive love. He talks about acts of service, quality time, physical touch, gifts, and words of affirmation. Y'all may be familiar with that. Um, and uh, I know this even from my personal life, right? Because I'm very good at words of affirmation and all this other stuff. Um, and, but my wife, though, 
But my wife, she is an acts of service type of lady. She's an acts of service type. How do I know? It's because I mean, hey, baby, give her a kiss. I love you. You are the most amazing wife. And she'll follow. She'll kind of look at me and say, uh-huh. If you really love me, you'll pick those clothes up off the floor. <laughs> if you really love me, you'll put them shoes away. If you really love me, you come and help me with these kids, right? If you really love me, you make some plans and we go somewhere, right? If you love me, you'll cook dinner, right? Yeah, ladies, that's your amen right there. <laughs> you'll cook dinner or at least make me a sandwich, right? <laughs> right? If you love me. Because that's the way she interprets and feels love, is by acts of service. Help me get this weight off my back. I got all this stuff going on, and I need you to help me out here. And it's nice that you think I'm pretty today. Yeah, I did all that. Uh, help me out. There's a way that we are to express and to show love. And that takes work. That is something that we have to work at. Love is something that has to be practiced. And I've been with my wife for some years now. Oh, man, it's been going on, what, eight, nine years? Oh, we getting there. We getting there. Some of y'all that's been in the game are like, ah, young. <laughs> eight, nine years now. And I'm still learning how to love my wife. And that's someone I actually care for. Someone I said, baby, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. And she said, yeah, okay. That's somebody I, I worked hard to be with and still every day work hard to be with. And we see here that Jesus asked us to love our enemies. To love our enemies. Now that's tough. And I want to share with you that it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. Amen. It's going to take some work. That is nothing that is easy to do. So you're going to have to practice this love thing, engaging in the practicing of love. And we see that this practice of love is something that is going to take time and effort. Time and effort. Jesus here teaches uh, that he uses the passage from uh, Leviticus 19. He says, uh, to, you've heard it said to love your neighbor. And in that passage you see it says to love your neighbor as yourself to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not going to chase this rabbit, but I, I feel like I got to say it. Um, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you're like me, sometimes you can be tough on yourself. You can be your own worst and tough critic. Some of you may relate to that. You may be your worst critic, just like I was about my son. But if we're being honest, if you put that another way, sometimes... I can be my worst enemy. Sometimes I can be my worst enemy. Constantly talking to myself negatively, putting myself down, all of these things. And God asks us to love your neighbor as yourself. Some of us struggle with loving other people because we haven't figured out how to love ourselves yet. Some of us haven't figured that part out yet. And so this engaging in love, and sometimes even self-love, is needed and necessary for us to be who we're called to be. The Bible goes on to say, in verse 45, says, 
that you may be sons or children of your Father in heaven. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That's, that's what he's saying here as far as why we are to do this. That you may be uh, sons, children of your Father who are in heaven. And I kind of key on this son thing because I have one over there. And I remember growing up, my father was very particular, particularly with his boys, about how they were to act outside of the house. And I remember my dad said, I gave you my last name, and so don't walk outside of my house and go messing it up. At right. Why? Because I am his son, and there's a certain behavior I'm supposed to exhibit. There's an action that I'm supposed to uh, give off. Now, my son, and everybody tells me, I can't disown that one. He looks just like me. Um, they say that uh, he looks, my son is named Adam, say he looks just like you, looks just like you. And you see that in early on, right, in scripture, early on in Genesis, you see that uh, God says, let us make mankind in our image. And then it says, or to be like me. So he may look like me, but he may not act like me. There's a lot of folk carrying the name and looking like the Christian part, but are we acting that way? Are we acting that way? Can somebody look at you and say, you know what, I see God in you, right? Sometimes I get to talk, my dad is a, is a big man, and he likes to talk and, and go all, you know, he's a deacon, deacon, and the old church deacon, right? Uh, that's my father. He'll talk all day long. And when I get to talking sometimes, my wife would say, hey, five minutes, get it together. And when I start to ramble on and go and go and go, she says, you act just like your daddy. You act just like your daddy because there's something that I'm exhibiting that looks and acts like him. I don't just look like him. I'm acting like him. And, God, and what we're supposed to do here is sons of our father, children of our father. We are to act like that or better yet, be like that. And even sometimes I remember uh, even our little girl six years old and she's in this dancing stage I don't know if it, I you can tell by looking at me but I used to cut a little rug back in my day and when she gets to dancing like that sometimes she will do it in the store and people are looking at us like what is wrong with your child get her and my wife would kind of look at me she said she get that from you like your daddy and I want to say with this text that that is what we're going for because I don't know if you remember but in John first John 4 uh, God is love and if we are to be like God we are to love we are to love and so we see that from the very beginning God intended us to not only look the part but act the part and so or better yet be the part. 
And so we see we are to be just like our daddy. Be just like our daddy. And I wanted to play a little bit, if I can, with this sun idea, the seed idea. So that's my seed over there. That little girl in the back probably dancing right now. That's my seed back there. That sun, that seed. And then he hits us with this next part in verse 45. He says, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Now, when I read that, I don't know about you, when I read that, I felt some kind of way. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, Lord. So you got me loving these people that are slapping me and persecuting me and taking advantage of me, and they get the same stuff that I get? Oh, oh, oh. so you my daddy, and they get the same treatment, rain on the good and the evil? I mean, sun on the good and the evil, rain on... What was just and unjust? What's happening here? I thought, I thought I was special. Why should I even bother? And if we're being honest, sometimes that rain, it feels like it's pouring. When it, what they say? When it rains, it pours. And that sun, it feels like it's blazing. I don't know if you've been in. Uh, so I was stationed in Peterson, Colorado, and it gets cold there. But we're a mile high, so when the sun come out, you high-fiving it, like you right there. It's hot, and sometimes the sun feels like it's blazing and beating on you, right? This rain pouring on you, this sun beating on you, and you go through life, and you're wondering, well, God, what's going on? I feel like I'm just constantly being kicked in the dirt. I'm buried under the pressure of life. And that sounds bad. That sounds horrible unless you're a seed. That sounds bad unless you're a seed. How many know that in order for a seed to grow, you have to put it in some dirt? And then you're going to need some sunlight. And it's also going to need some water. But sometimes for us, it feels like, I don't like this. I don't like it. But God says, that is how you're going to be like me. That is how you're going to be like me. It doesn't sound that bad when you realize who and what you are. When you realize that you're a seed of God, when you realize that you're a seed, Hey, listen, bring on the rain because I need that. Bring on the beaten sun because I need that. Kick me in the dirt. I'm okay with that because I need that because without it, I can't grow. I can't grow. And we see here that God is asking us to grow in our character, grow in our being, grow in who we are. I will often teach uh, God is teaching us how to grow from humanity to divinity to be like God, who we were created to be, to be higher than what we are, something better than what we currently are to where we're called to be. And we so we see that we are being planted 
in this world. And that's something amazing to see and to think about. We're being planted in this world. When you see all of God's children, all of God's seeds being planted, what happens? You create a garden. You create a garden that people get to live in, an environment that is good for growth, for love, for acceptance. If we're all seeds growing and enduring and doing the things that we're called to do, wow, we can have our own Garden of Eden, if you will. People loving, caring for, and doing all of those things they need to do for their fellow person. Loving one another as yourself. Loving your enemies. And the thing about this love, it's not dependent on you. It's not dependent on you. No matter what you do to me, I'm still gonna love you. I had a, a, one of my, my good brothers, Marion Gibson, uh, Gibbs, uh, he's, uh, he went to seminary with me. He used to go around, he's a teacher now, and he goes around to all his kids, and I love how he does this. He says, hey child, doesn't matter who it is. Hey child, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's the reality of this kind of love, this love. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to love you anyway. And that's the kind of love that this world needs. That's the kind of love. See, there's a reason why you've been planted here. There's a reason why you've been put here in this space and in this time, enduring this environment. It's because God is trying to grow you into something that's going to bless somebody else. My grandfather had a pear tree in the backyard, old pear tree. I don't know how long it's been there. It's definitely before my time, probably before my father's time. But when we was kids, we would climb up and grab the pears from the tree. And now my kids can go back to my grandparents' house and do the same thing. And I was just thinking, wow, that tree's been there forever. That tree's been there forever. And because somebody planted the seed, because somebody planted the seed, my kids, three, four generations down the line, are blessed by that. There's a reason why you've been planted here. The seed, the children of God. And you cannot underestimate the power of a seed. You have to listen that the seeds that we are grow into something much bigger. And sometimes we will never see the blessing in our space and lifetime. We'll do something for somebody. We'll give to somebody. We'll love somebody. And we may not see the results of that right away or at all. There's teachers right now that are poured into me, and they probably walked away from that. That boy ain't never going to get it. That, God bless him. And I still remember what they poured into me to this day. And it's because of people that gave without expecting anything back. Because of people that was willing to give to me, pour into me, that I can be the man I am today.
Never underestimate the power of a seed. It's one of those things that I, I think is important to remember as we look at our lives because it doesn't always seem fair that we have to endure what it seems like others don't have to. It's just because we're built different. We're built different. And another rabbit, I'm gonna chase it for a little while. And maybe what you're feeling is the process of blessing someone else. What do you mean by that? Beside the pear tree, if you go a little bit down in my grandfather's yard, we had a big yard, we country folk. So there was a pear tree in the back, but on the corner on the side, there was a big pecan tree. Big pecan tree. And what would happen a lot of times is those pecans would fall down, right? And what he would do, he'd say, Boy, he, I don't think he ever knew my name. He go, boy, go get them pecans. And we'll go gather the pecans up and everything, and we'll, we'll get it, and, and we'll bring it in the house. And there was a lot of them. And so what my grandma would do, she would take the pecan uh, little uh, crushers, and she'll crack them open. Because you didn't want to eat the seed. You wanted to eat the pecan that was inside of the shell. Right? And sometimes you may feel like, man, Lord, I'm breaking. I'm cracking under the pressure. I'm struggling, Lord. I don't understand why I have to be the one that's dealing with this. I'm struggling. Well, that's because the blessing that's inside of you needs to come out. It needs to come out, but it's going to take some cracking. It's going to take some breaking, but it's there. I often, I often remember uh, and am reminded, even in my own life, that the struggle is what gives our prayer. Remember we were talking about prayer? What gives our prayer is potency and its profundity uh, and its power. It, our prayers become, when you've been through something, your prayers become robust and uh, resonant. It, it resonates with people because you've been through something, right? It gives it a deep richness an authenticity and a vulnerability that without that struggle, without that pressure, that cracking, you won't be able to move people the way they need to be moved. There's something about the groanings of struggle when expressed to God, it gets God to move. It gets God to move. You know, give you an example. My daughter, six years old, the only girl for a very long time. On both sides of the family, she was the only grandchild. So she's used to getting stuff. She's used to getting anything and everything she wants to get. And so a lot of times, daddy has to say, daddy has to be the bad guy, I have to say, no. But, and she'll ask, Daddy, can I do this? No. Can you go here? No. Can I, ha can I have some money? No. What you need money for? No. No. But it's something about when she starts tearing up and crying, Daddy! 
baby, baby, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm coming. I'm listening now. What's happening? And when she's going through something, daddy's there to save the day. We got to fix this baby girl. Who did it and why? Where they at? Right? It's something about our prayers when we're going through something. And we go to God, Lord, I don't, I need this. They're going through something, Lord. They need you. That's when God really moves. Something about that that makes our prayers so rich and, and wonderful. And then finally, we see in verse 48. He says, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm far from that. Far from it. Perfection? And, and, and this particular verse he said, you shall be. If somebody says shall, you better do it. You shall be perfect. You shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. I struggled with this one because I didn't know what I was going to do about this perfection thing. Um, does it happen overnight? Am I posted when I hit 50? I, I don't know what happens, how this is going to work out. But I recall this this scene in a movie. Uh, I recall this scene in a movie. Um, it's Black History Month, right? Y'all remember, uh, remember the Titans? Y'all remember the Remember the Titans? So at the beginning of the movie, Denzel Washington, he, he is fussing his, his team out. You will be perfect. If you're gonna wear your, you, this uniform, you'll be perfect in every aspect of the game. And I can't do his voice, but he said, if you drop a pass, you're gonna run a mile. If you miss a block in assignment, you're gonna run a mile. If you fumble the football, I'm gonna break your foot off in your John Hahn parts, and then you will run a mile, right? Perfection, he says. And I was like, yeah, that's tough. And then I have a movie, I have a movie clip for you. And um, this is what he says. After they go through uh, all of these games and they do all of these things, they have a perfect record up to this point and they're losing. They're not doing so well. And this is around halftime. They're in the locker room and this is what the conversation goes like. Oh, you didn't. Oh, here's how the conversation goes like. I thought I had it. So he says, I see that you guys are doing all that you can do. He's walking in the locker room. Everyone got the, has their head down, and they're like, we're losing. This is a tough team. This is the toughest challenge up to this point. I'm like, uh, I see what you're going to do. I see that you're doing all that you can. And this is what he says. He said, whatever you do, whatever happens, we're going to walk out of this stadium with our heads held high. You guys are doing your best, and that's all that anybody can ever ask for you. Then one of his players, his players, one of his players stands up and says, uh, with all due respect, coach, that's not all that you, we can do. You asked for perfection. 
And then he goes on to say, he says, none of us are perfect. I know I'm not perfect. He said, but this team is perfect. We've won every game up to this point. And if it's okay with you, coach, we intend to leave it that way. I don't know if that's his voice, but that's how we're doing it today. The team is perfect. Family, I've talked about before how sometimes we look at, if you, if you hear me preach enough, I'm going to talk, you may meet everybody in my family. And my family is far from perfect. Far from perfect. But they're perfect for me. Why? Because we love each other. Love is what makes us perfect. Even in this space, Lord knows we're not all perfect. We all have our challenges. We all have our idiosyncrasies. But the love that we have one for another makes us perfect. And so as we think about us as a family, as we think about what we have to offer, as we think about who we are as seeds, children of God, called to perfection, I want to offer, I want to submit to you that we can be perfect in love. If we are practicing love, it will make us perfect in the Lord. If we're practicing love, it makes us perfect and the Lord family, I know I'm asking a lot. I know I'm saying a whole lot. And there's a lot in here. Love one another, love yourself, all of this love, 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 love. Yes, there's a lot of love. But that's exactly what we all need. And so as we consider what we've been called to, as we consider what we need to do to create the world we want to live in, the perfect family, the perfect environment. Let us remember that practicing makes perfect, or better yet, practicing love makes perfect children. That's all I have for you on this morning. When I think about uh, our time and our space in which we are to live like God has called us to live, be perfect in that space. I'm reminded that we are to be a family. We are to be a team. We can't do this without one another. There is no perfection without you. There is no perfection without me. We need one another. Because this 
is the environment, the garden that, that God is planting in each and every one of us in this world. We pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and share. Thank you for stopping by our station. And until next time, may the peace of God be with you.